0: What you're about to hear is a special preview of a wonderful conversation Bill Fleckenstein and I recently had with Milton Berg in our search to figure out the endgame. Milton is a legend among the biggest, most celebrated names on Wall Street, and you're about to find out why. Milton uses pure technical analysis to figure out the market's likely direction, and over the course of this episode, you'll hear him explain why his data makes him believe that the so-called everything bubble is nothing of the sort relying purely on the data, allows Milton to strip out the emotion caused by asset price gyrations. And once he does that, what he finds himself left with may surprise you. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The End Game, Super Terrific Happy Hour, and The Narrative Game, is available to Copper and Silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts, while members of the Silver Tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go. hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of The Endgame. Joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, the great Bill Fleckenstein. Hi, mate. Hello, mate. How are you today? I am splendid. I am splendid. I'm basking in Carolina sunshine, which is a wonderful thing to be doing. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, Now, we have another fantastic guest joining us shortly, Milton Berg, who I first met about three years ago. Uh, and, And Milton was kind of this figure that i'd kind of heard of and a, a, you know he was kind of a mystical figure so in the way i understood him and i ended up having a chance to sit and chat with him um when i was at real vision and, and just had this incredibly fascinating conversation and he's 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 a deeply fascinating man who's fascinated me ever since frankly well um i was so impressed by that conversation that i immediately decided to sign up and take his service and uh I'm really glad that I did. And uh, as we get into the interview, people will understand why. Yeah, yeah, Mil- Milton's, uh, he's had a fascinating journey, which I'm hoping he'll talk us about from from one way of looking at markets to another. Um, and, you know, to me, he's the ultimate technical analyst because he, he will change sides the same day if, if the signals tell him to. You know, he's worked out some incredible signals over the years. So, you know, getting an aspect on the end game from a technical perspective, it's something we haven't had a chance to do yet. So I'm really excited to um, to jump in and cover this with Milton. So what do you say, Bill? Why don't we uh, stop faffing around you and me and, and get the star of the show on and, and talk to Milton? I agree. Let's do it. All right. Well, Milton, welcome to the Endgame. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We're both uh, we're both thrilled that you could do this.
1: I'm thrilled to be here, Grant, and
0: so thank you. It's You and I haven't seen each other. You were the final interview I did during my days at Real Vision. So I haven't seen oh, wow. you since then. Well, that was,
1: you, like, you, you made me famous. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I don't know about making you famous. That was, making a great, you famous. that
1: was a great interview. Actually, it was a great interview. It was, it was the first time I was able to really discuss the types of indicators I look at and my attitude towards the market. And well, so,
0: uh, just to comment on that, um, I was so impressed with that interview that I immediately signed up for your service. So
1: I, uh, I appreciate I, that. Thank you.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, and I'm really glad I did. Well, we can talk about that at some point because there's a couple of questions I'd like to ask you, but I, I think that'd be better later after we kind of dive into some like of you the ask big me now, picture
1: don't stuff. Me, no, it's okay. Nothing's a
0: secret here. Okay. So Milton, look, Bill and I have kind of started this journey with with no real destination in mind in terms of the end game. We just wanted to have a series of conversations with people and just try and better inform our own opinions. And so really uh, what, what I'd love to start with, if we can, is kind of your assessment of of where we are right now, of what the world looks like to you, in a, in a very broad sense, and then hopefully we can kind of dig into that and, and go into various asset classes and, and pick that apart.
1: Okay, let's take a broad sense. Starting with the equity markets, there's no way one cannot be impressed by the action of the, of the equity markets off the March lows. Maybe we could try to fool ourselves and say, hey, this is a bear market rally, this, this is euphoria, this is mania. You could fool yourself by saying that, but looking at the market itself, market action itself, market action itself—not taking looking at sentiment. Look at the way the market's acting. The market's acting superbly. there's many examples we can discuss to, to suggest that the market's acting superbly. Firstly, all in all, the next classes are are, are rallying. I'm not seeing a legging small caps. I'm not seeing a legging large caps. I'm not seeing a legging technology. At this point, basically the. Participation is full and worldwide. And the the way I was brought up in this business is when you see full participation, it's generally a bullish phenomenon rather than a negative phenomenon. Now, many people are arguing, hey, this is a bubble, the bubble of all bubbles, simply because everything is rallying. There might be some logic to that. It might be the bubble of all bubbles because everything is rallying. But if you look at the history of bubbles, history of bubbles were a concentrated rally in one or two asset classes. You had the gold bubble in the 1980s. You had the uh, nifty-fifty bubble, so-called, in, in the mid-70s. You had the uh, South Sea bubble in the 1700s. You had the real estate bubble in 2005, 2006, 2007. But you've never seen a oil bubble, oil market bubble. So therefore, who tells me, based on historical evidence, who tells me that there's such a thing as an oil market bubble? If all markets are doing well and even doing exceedingly well, and even they're so called overvalued. Maybe there's some fundamental factor that's driving these markets higher rather than strictly a speculative factor. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I know the answer to this question, I just want to ask this question. These things are actually looking good. Let me give you some examples if you don't mind, because the, the, really the, the market participation began basically off the October lows. you had a September 10% correction roughly in the NASDAQ. You had a test in late October. The late October test took place on what we call a cycle date, the Montgomery cycle date, October 30th. And it's, it's since then that the markets have been taken off worldwide. You know, the small caps have been leading. The, the large caps have been rallying. The cyclicals started turning. And I'm generally associated with the bull markets rather than with the end of the bubble. October 28th, which was near the low, near the test of the low, you had a major oversold condition because you had fewer than 10% of the stocks in the SP 500 closing above the 10 day moving average, which is oversold. We had a nine to one downside, to upside volume day of the SP 500. And looking at the two day new highs, people look at six month new highs and looking, people look at uh, uh, one year new highs. We try to often look at concentrated new highs, look at the number of highs on a two day basis, because that shows you 30 points. We like to focus on 30 points. You look at the number of two day new highs, fewer than 3% of the SP 500 closed at a two day high on October 28th. That was a sign of oversold. But there's healthy oversold and there's, there's, there's unhealthy oversolds. There are oversold conditions that lead to continued decline, like in the major bear market, like from 2000 to 2002, there are many oversold conditions that led to further decline. Or from 1929 to 1933, there are many oversolds that led to further decline. So, really, what you like to see is what did the market do post that oversold condition? What did the market do following? that oversold condition. So on November 4th, which was three days off the low, the S&P had gained 1.6% twice, two days in a row, one point six percent or greater. Something like this has happened seven times since 1969. Six of the seven times was the bull market, and the median gain was 21.92% over the next 12 months. So right away, three days after that low, after that it oversold, it's a one positive development. So this suggests that this development this is not bubble development, this is bull market development. On uh, November 5th, which was four days off the low, the S&P gained in value 1.5% for three days in a row. 1.5% gained in value three days in a row. This too historically has taken place nine times. Each case that has taken place was after a end of a bear market, early in the bull market. And the median gain over the next 12 months was 21.9%. That's November, let's get a little further out. November 9th, again, yeah, just a couple of weeks from the lows of October, November 9th, the S&P had gained 1.1% in five or six days, very rare occurrence. It happened off the lows in seventy four. it happened off the lows in 1982, and it happened twice in November, November 5th, November 9th, but the two previous instances saw market gain a medium of 28% over the next 12 months. So just giving these few examples, it's clear that market action is bullish action. Market action, the board participation, the type of technical issues you saw off the October lows is clearly bullish action. The only question is, is this bullish action, you know, we're up 30, 40 percent of some of the small caps. Is this the end of the move or is this uh, a thrust, a beginning of a, of a move? We don't really know the answer to that, but what we do is we try to see is the market continuing exhibiting bull market action. It's sort of bull market action coming off the lows. Does it continue exhibiting bull market action a month or two or three months after the lows? Let's go to December, which was like a month and a half off the lows. And on December, uh, December 4th, we use a broad index. It's actually not our own index. I don't want to say who this provider is. It's a major institutional service provider that creates their own equity indices. Their equity index on a five-week basis had a breadth thrust of two to one using weekly data. Five weeks, two to one. The five-week breadth thrust in an overbought market has taken place four times in the past, and the gain over the next 12 months was 19.9%. So this is, again, off the lows, you saw bullish action, significantly bullish action with participation beginning in the small caps as well as the large caps as well as the tech stocks, beginning of the trade and cyclicals. Five weeks, six weeks after the low, you see a five-week breath rush, which means that this bull move is continuing. Then you get low, that's December. You get into January, and in January, you start seeing... Um, Russell gaining 1.7% two days in a row. SP and 600, 14 to 1 upside issues in the 41 AD line. You see um, more than 80 stocks in the SP and at 62-week new highs. This is early in January. You saw the 10-day um, uh, uh, volume thrust, upside down the volume thrust in the NASDAQ of 1.89. A very, very rare occurrence. When you combine that with the Russell gaining 1.8% two days in a row and the Russell gaining 1.5% three days in a row, That only happened in 1994 as the market was taking off. The market gained 20%, 20% over the next 12 months. So, getting into January, we're continuing to see bullish action.
0: The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com.